This is Monty in the Morning, the show Phoenix Magazine readers voted number one talk radio show in Arizona. Number one during your morning commute. Number one whenever news breaks during your day. And number one whenever and wherever you want to talk sports. Now it's time for Monty in the Morning. Hey, yo, man, welcome to the Monty Show. Happy Valentine's Day. I love myself. <laughs> Monday, February 14th, 2022, live in Southern California. Hey, do you like the way the show looks? We hate it. I'm glad you're so optimistic today. What do you mean? Um, Avi, we have to talk about the Utah Jazz. Rudy Gobert is back. Fresh set of rumors saying that he's a dick. Um, we'll, t- <laughs> we'll talk uh, all about the Utah Jazz. They have the Rockets tonight at the Viv. Uh, Got to talk about the 16th hole at uh, the Phoenix Open. You know, there's just all kinds yeah. of good stuff. Yeah. And there was a football game last night. Who cares? You know. Um, but one of the things we want to talk about today, and I'm curious what you guys think about, um, you know, how the how the the lifestyle of Utah or Phoenix, where else? I mean, obviously, we have a lot of listeners in Los Angeles, uh, Chicago, Texas, your mom's house. Texas. You know, like uh, it, we we talk to a lot of people around the world and around the country, but being in Southern California, one of the things that stands out to you is there's a lot to love here, but there's also a lot to hate in Utah. I just think it's a pretty easy place to live. Right. Right. Like it's pretty low maintenance. The traffic's not horrible. Yeah. Like all the stuff that you love about Utah does not exist in Los Angeles. Right. Yeah. I mean, I I think about like hiking and like all the outdoor stuff that you can do in Utah. Obviously you can't really, I mean, you can do hiking in Southern California, but you have to drive a lot further. It's not like it's just down the street. Like, you know, there are some, it's just a different way of life in Southern California. You know, I don't, I don't know that it's necessarily better. I think there's trade-offs, you know, better or worse. Yeah. I mean, I think it, it really depends on what you prioritize. So, you know, but I will say, uh, you can't beat the beach breeze and good nights of sleep. Yeah. So we'll talk about all that coming up, but we want to start with the Super Bowl, obviously, um, that is the story that's on everybody's mind. And I, I thought like it, it was one of the best games that we've had, um, in recent years. I, like, I really felt like we had, uh, we got a great matchup, two good teams. My prediction came true. Yours was a complete failure. Like it went perfectly as I had hoped. <laughs> I'm so glad, you know, so glad that that's, you know, how you're, how you're feeling today. But you have to admit, it, it was very nice. It was one of the best Super Bowls, I think, that we've had in, in some time. Certainly in recent memory, I mean, I think you have to agree that um, this was a Super Bowl that it, it was entertaining. Yeah. It had big names. I think that Rams drive to win the game at the end, the touchdown pass from Stafford to Cup, was one of the best drives that I can remember in Super Bowl history. Like, I think this game had everything. Defense, offense. Obviously, the Rams lost just about every player on their roster to injury. Um, Everybody's talking about the officials and was it a hold, not a hold, false start. You know, like, this game had all the drama that you want. Yeah, and and I think, you know, the the other thing, too, to talk about here is it didn't have Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers or any – you know, typical name that we've been seeing in the, in the Super Bowl. And I think that also played into why it was such a great Super Bowl. I, I thought, you know, I thought, you know, the storylines in this game are really what stood out to me. I mean, no matter 
who you were a fan of. What you know, whether you were you know a Bengals fan or a Rams fan, or maybe you weren't a fan of either of those teams. I thought this particular Super Bowl, in the way it felt and the way it went down, was very relatable to just football fans. You know, you you have this this young gun and Joe Burrow who you know, is, is this great story for the NFL and and everybody's sweetheart and everyone wants to see him smoking a cigar, you know, on a couch in the back room after the game, like everybody wanted to see that. And then, you know, you've got the Rams who put together this amazing team in Los Angeles, full of a ton of talent, uh, also full of guys who, you know, guys like Weddle who are coming back to try to win a chip. And it felt very, you know, it, there was a lot of nostalgia around this particular Rams team. And so I just kind of felt like watching this game, like, yeah, this is this is really what the Super Bowl should be. There should be uh, a storyline for every NFL fan, no matter who your team is. Yeah. Uh, it's in a great city in Los Angeles. Uh, and obviously the officials were a talking point. You know, I, I think the, the officiating early in the game definitely helped the Bengals. I thought late in the game. It helped the Rams, you know, and, and I thought. But at what point forth, do we like, stop talking about officials? Well, I think in it when it's the Super Bowl, when it's the championship of any sport, I, I think you're going to talk about it. You know, do you want me to sit here and say that the officials decided the game? I never I'm not a big believer in that. I don't think that, you know, officials ultimately decide games. You, do you want to talk about how the Rams, I think, had five or six drives in a row where they didn't do anything? And that's why they were in in a position that they were in down late in the game. Yeah. Let's talk about yeah. that, you know? So, but yeah, I do think, you know, you know, they missed that egregious false start by the Rams. Then they call the holding penalty on the Bengals. Like, you know, the officials were a talking point, but the point is, is that this game, I felt like, and really not even just the game. I felt like the whole Super Bowl experience this year was really nice. I thought the halftime show was excellent. Uh, definitely up there is one of the best of all time. And I felt like, you know, overall, uh, it, it went down without a, really without any issues. We didn't have, you know, the one thing that I don't hear anybody talking about is the, the trucker thing holding up the Super Bowl never happened. Yes. You know, that yes, never I happened. agree with that. And I think that that could have been super damaging. So, um, yeah, I thought it was a great Super Bowl for sure. But I, I, I think, okay, let's start with the game because I yeah. do want to talk about Eminem, the halftime show, Adrian Peterson, all of that. But – I think one of the most interesting parts of this game is the officials because I think in sports, we we get far too wrapped up in the officials in a game, right? Like, in my opinion, I agree with what you said with the part where you said that the officials didn't win or lose the game. Mm-hmm. I think it was only this close because Odell Beckham Jr. got hurt. Mm-hmm. I think if he's healthy, I think the Rams probably win this by 10. Spinal. Uh, well, yeah, it was his knee, Mike, not his back. Anyway, the point is, like, that injury, I think, changed the, the complexion of the game. Um, I think this game went almost exactly as we thought it would in that the Rams' pass rush ultimately is why they won the game. Aaron Donald was frustrated in the first half. I thought a really good adjustment to overload the defensive line causing mismatches, putting Donald in a one-on-one, you know, allowing Floyd, allowing, you know, Von Miller, I thought played a real critical role uh, in the Rams winning this Super Bowl. Like, I think the Rams defense just overcame things. The touchdown early um, or late in the first half uh, with the face mask that wasn't called. Yeah, on Jalen. On Jalen Ramsey. Like, I think that was a big moment in time. The holding call in the red zone on that final drive was holding. Yeah. There's no it doesn't matter if it was called earlier in the game or not. It was holding. Well, and I think a lot of people want to say, well, you know, like a lot of people want to have the conversation of, 
okay, well, if you're not going to call or if you're if you're not going to call the face mask on Jalen, how are you how are you calling that holding? I think a lot of people want to have a conversation around, you know, the the ticky tackness of these calls by the officials. And all I have to say, once again, and in, in we whether we're talking jazz or NFL or whatever, you know, all I have to say is if you're relying on the officials or if you're in a position where you're upset with the call with a call the official made. You didn't do your job in that game or in that situation. You know, you didn't put yourself in the best position to win. And and that and that's what I will always say. Uh, you know, I, I didn't feel like the refs did a horrible job. Could they have done better? Absolutely. But I don't feel like they did some, you know, chop job or hatchet job on the game by any means. You know, I, I just think <laughs> I think one of the more interesting parts of this game is that Big players make big plays in big situations. Yeah. And I know that sounds rather cliche, but in this particular situation, I don't think there's any doubt that that throw from Matthew Stafford validated his career. Mm -hmm. That throw to Cooper Cup for the touchdown validated Matthew Stafford's career. It validated the Rams going out and getting him. Um, I think this is one of the great seasons by any wide receiver in the history of the NFL. Um, I think the things that Cooper Cup did are simply remarkable this year. The hits he took in this game. Oh, man. Dude. And, and you know, one of the other things is how – I'm not going to say – were, were the, the Bengals dirty in this game? I don't know. They played right up to the line. Oh, yeah. Which I guess is what you would want your football team to do. But I also think you look at the way that this game played out, and, and I'm fascinated by the fact that you have you have one of the best endings in Super Bowl history. I just the thing I'll remember about this game is Aaron Donald absolutely detonating on the Bengals in the fourth quarter. And I'll drop that. Yeah, I mean he was unbelievable. The yeah. the the play at the end, the the sack in the grasp, whatever it was, um, to end the game, unbelievable. Well, and I, and I think it's it's what we look for in sports, and and obviously we're going to be talking some jazz today here in a couple of minutes. But I think this concept, when I saw Donald make that play, and really when I saw the Rams, you know, start to do the overload uh, strategy where, you know, you put a bunch of guys on one side of the line or the other to create mismatches and in advantageous positions for your best players, I really just thought to myself, man, like, like this is what good coaching can do. This yes. is what, this yes. is what, this is what really formulating a plan and having kind of a, uh, almost like an ace in the hole for your defense can do. And, and I felt like, you know, if if there was ever a time where you would want your coaching staff to kind of step up and bring sort of a wrinkle to the defense, this would be the time. And I felt like that overload strategy, it took them a minute to kind of get it going. You know, it took them a minute to kind of figure out, okay, how are we going to handle this? Because, you know, the, the Bengals offensive line was essentially taking the center and double teaming Aaron Donald with the guard, right? That's what they were trying to do. And so you solve that problem by overloading and running stunts. And I think that, that, you know, whether they ran it for Von Miller or Aaron Donald or whatever, you know, it worked. And that's yes. the biggest thing. At the end of the day, a lot of people want to hate on the Rams because they went and signed all this talent. You know, Von Miller and Odell and, and, and Matt Stafford and all these guys. And while the talent obviously made the plays, the coaching staff and the strategy – is what put those guys in a position to go ahead and make the play. And, and I just have a lot of respect for guys who obnoxiously opened their cans of Monster during the show. Sorry, I missed what you said. What's that? I <laughs> no, hear you heard what I said. <laughs> anyway, I thought the game was great. Can we talk about what everybody wants to talk about? Wait, let me sit up straight in my chair. <clears throat> 
How angry are people that and Eminem knelt during the halftime show? Cause this seems like a this seems like a pretty good talking point on social media and like in the sphere and I gotta tell you I the I, sphere. I barely even noticed it. I didn't sleep for the past two nights because of this. I was that upset. I don't care. Like I why I personally would like an apology. Yeah, why are people so pissed about this? I'm like, who cares? Who literally? I I could not physically I am not capable of caring less whether or not Eminem took a knee. I didn't even notice it. I never thought about Colin Kaepernick. Yeah. Like who cares? Yeah, I think it's funny. So allegedly the story goes that the NFL asked Eminem not to kneel during this Which by so. the way they completely denied. They said that well, they were aware they he denied. was going to kneel. Of course they denied. They also said that they like you know, African-American and minorities as head coaches, which we also know is a lie. If you guys ever want to kick it, we'll flow. Probably too much. Yeah. But anyway, the my, point, is, my is, point is, what else are they going to say? Are they going to yes. come out and say, yeah, we told them not to kneel? No, of course not. They're not going to say that. So uh, I fully believe that the NFL, you know, I it, it like it wouldn't shock me if the NFL had asked Eminem not to kneel. Point is, let's say they did ask Eminem not to kneel. Eminem doesn't need the NFL. Eminem doesn't need anybody. And that's why no. he's so great. And that's why he's so respected. And But, and but I, I, okay. I guess the thing is, I don't understand why kneeling is controversial. I don't understand why kneeling is un-American. I don't understand why kneeling is, as it was put, unpatriotic. I think this is the biggest line of bullshit that I've heard in a decade. Mm -hmm. And I don't care. That was one of the best halftime shows that I can remember. I'll I'll take that one or Prince. Yeah. When Prince did the halftime show, I, that one or this Dr. Dre Snoop one was unbelievable. Fat Fitty Scent is unbelievable. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yes, it is. Dude. Right? Like my man is, my <laughs> man is, and it's all water weight. I would, yeah, I would assume. Buddy's on that creatine it, life. It, it's all water weight. He takes creatine, man. He's yes. just, you know, it's that time. I'm just retaining some water, man. What do you bench? Yeah, nothing. The point is, the point is, this was such a good halftime show. Yeah. And you're taking a five-second clip of Eminem and saying that it ruined the halftime show? Get out of here with that. Like, what impact did that have on people? Get a fast pass for Douche Mountain. Like, seriously. Get out of here yeah, with that. Yeah, I think it didn't have an impact. And frankly, I'm with you. Like, I didn't even notice he... When he... I, I, like, so I physically saw him kneel, but him doing that didn't trigger in my head, oh, he's kneeling because of... Kaepernick. The yeah, way you Kaepernick never associated like, it. Yeah, you never it associated it. I wasn't like, oh my god, Eminem kneeled, and oh my god, that ruined the whole show. Like, I actually really enjoyed the show. Like, Me I think too. the only knock on the show was that all the music that was played was for Gen X and Millennials. Gens, this was not a Gen Z halftime show. Let's be real clear about that. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that I think that you're in California. I think it's Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre at the heart of it, and and I don't think you could <laughs> go wrong with that. What are you talking about? That it, that that music. Here's the thing. Oh my. Yeah. What? You millennials. I, I what? just. I'm saying it was a great show. I, I should punch you in the face. What are you What are you talking well, about? It was for Gen Z and Gen X. No, that's um, not what I said. And, that's not uh, what I said. You know. I said it was for Gen X and Millennials, not for Gen Z. And that's why Gen Z's upset about it. That's what I'm saying. It was for people our age. God. Like, I don't understand what you're... That music is timeless. It is, yes. I agree. 
We're saying the same thing. No, we're not. You're, well, like, as a millennial, I think I need to represent um, Facts. young people who overthink everything and have no life. I really don't care you know, if you think it's us. Uh, we needed Drake to pop out of the, the six foe and, you know, drop some, saying. spit some straight fire in bars. Kendrick was on the set. <laughs> Guy, that was Snoop and Dr. Dre. It's for everybody. It not, it, it, again, this is Eminem that's kneeling. Your, that's your... This is, but this is Eminem kneeling. Tell me I'm wrong. This is that thing where we have to label things and people and. You don't, you don't. Yeah, it's the, fine. Get it's out fine. of here. You're a Gen Xer. It's fine. It's oh, now, oh, I'm a Gen, Gen Xer. Xer. You are. Okay, you are. here we go. You are. Here we go. So it's going to be like that today. Yeah. Okay. All right. I Listen. Li oh. Okay. So that's how it's going to be. I mean, like, what are you talking? That was one that without, you don't need it to put labels on it. It was a phenomenal halftime It show. was. Man, you guys are so sensitive. I'm sensitive. You're the one losing your shit over here. I'm not. You're just like, oh, but for us millennials, uh, you know, we're so repressed musically. We're stuck with Drake and his soft ass beats. Sorry, folks. That's what it is. <laughs> Man, that was a great halftime show. And then Adrian Peterson got on a plane somewhere and beat his wife. Um, how about surprised. the? And this goes to the is the NFL healthy conversation? Because I think this actually matters. Yeah. You look at the controversy around um, Eminem kneeling. It wasn't controversial. You look at, at, you know, all of this stuff about, you know, what happened in, in Las Vegas with the Raiders this year. And really, it starts with the Washington fo football team investigating itself. And now the NFL has said, oh, well, you know what? That didn't work out so well. We're going to send somebody and investigate you. Thanks. Um, you look at John Gruden, you look at Henry Ruggs and his Corvette and the DUI and the, you know, the, the, the crash and the, the, the death of the woman and her dog. And yep. you look at all this negativity around the NFL. And then on Super Bowl Sunday morning, Adrian Peterson gets on a plane, gets in an argument with his wife yesterday morning and is arrested for domestic violence. Yeah. And it is being alleged that he put his hands on his wife on an airplane that was taxiing to the runway. Yeah. He was flying from apparently Los Angeles to Dallas and they were taxiing out to take off him and his wife getting some kind of verbal altercation that leads to a physical confrontation. They turn the plane around. Adrian Peterson gets arrested for domestic violence. Owned. I, and I, I'm like on Super Bowl Sunday morning. That's it, Skippy. Never mind. It's the Sabbath. It's Super Bowl Sunday morning. Yeah. And you're, you're getting into an issue with domestic violence. Like, this is, to me, this is what's wrong with the NFL. You can't go a week, 10 days, a month without a major scandal in the NFL. Agreed. And this is why, and maybe this is why the NFL is great. Because it's always in the headlines. Yeah, there's no offseason. We all know that. Yeah, and maybe, maybe ESPN needs to bring back Playmakers, one of the greatest shows ever that the NFL killed. Right. Like maybe that's what we need. I don't know. But I look at I look at the drama around the NFL. And I think it's good for the NFL. Oh, that's why everyone likes the Cowboys. Right. It's well, why Hard Knocks did the Cowboys this year. It's why the Cowboy brand is what it yes, is. They never, I don't win, disagree they with never that. win anything. And Jerry Jones is either talking about, you know, circumcising mosquitoes or not winning football games. Like, that's why everybody likes the Cowboys. Or you know? pouring a pound of salt on his breakfast yeah, sandwich. Yeah, you know, like, knocks. I mean, that's what that that is what 
that's why everybody wants to follow the Cowboys. So I just think the NFL, <clears throat> I think they've done a good job improving. However, they have a long way to go. It, you know, when the Ray Rice thing went down all those years ago, I think the NFL was in a, in a bad place. Yes. I think they've improved out of that. I think they've gotten better, but I think, you know, whether we're talking racism, domestic violence, yep. CTE, like, I mean, there's all these issues that plague the NFL. And, and I look at, there were people on Twitter talking about last night, how Cooper cup should not have been able to reenter that game after that hit he took in the end zone. And I don't necessarily disagree with that. That said, it is the Super Bowl, and you're not taking Cooper Cup out. Just saying. Yeah. So, I don't, you know, if you want to feel, you know, upset about that, then fine. But, you know, I just think that the NFL will always have work to do on this stuff. Yep. Q Sam says, hey, I like the background. Thanks, Q Sam. Appreciate you. Edgar Garcia, what's up, Edgar? Good to see you, bud. The Blind Swordsman DS says, well, there's the cough for the first time. Morning, <laughs> boys. Great Super Bowl game. The halftime show wasn't bad at all. And all, the Super Bowl was pretty awesome. One thing, no more shout-outs to Mo Bamba. The dude says, the dude that says that is a dick. Shout-out to Mo Bamba. Okay. Snooka, good morning to you. Dane, good morning to you. Bob Scott, morning to you. Giggity says, morning, fellas. People are just looking for a reason to whine. I yeah. truly think that's what the Eminem thing is. Yeah. I, I think you millennials, it's I, you know. It's not the millennial generation complaining. Did anybody notice the Jordans he had on? Yeah. I did. Yeah. Uh, Michael Jackson and Prince halftime shows were the best ever. Mr. E says this was good just because last five years were only crap with Mickey Mouse celebrities. This was good because it was Snoop, Dr. Dre, Fitty. It felt right. Kendrick. Bro. It felt right. I mean, it Man, was for like... uh, where this game was in L.A. And based on where this game was, this was a phenomenal halftime yeah. show. I mean, I don't know. I don't think it was average. I, I Not honestly at all. think it was phenomenal. I mean, I, I, I still maintain the one thing that I've always appreciated about uh, about rappers and hip hop guys are like in their game. Like Snoop Dogg is one of the smoothest rappers on this ever. planet, like ever doing his little crip leaves. walking thing. Dude, and it, it just feel like you're just vibing with the dude. Like there's no other way to say it other than. When when Dre is on the piano playing Still Dre, like, what else do you need in your life? That's what we want as football fans. It's everything you want. It's It, it was great because it was great. Uh, Bob Scott says, loved on, loved on Utah my entire life, 35-plus years, now live in Phoenix for almost three years. Absolutely love Arizona and love Utah, too. Both great places. I don't miss Phoenix at all. We were watching the – WM Phoenix <laughs> Open. First of all, why did we go to WM instead of the Waste Management Phoenix Open? It is the Waste Management Phoenix Open. <laughs> I understand it's your money, but you know. The WM Open. By the way, Jim Nance did a phenomenal job. He did. Um, that was a great tournament. Yeah. That was a great tournament. Um, Edgar Garcia says, I heard the reason he kneeled was out of respect for Tupac. Okay. I didn't See? hear that. But again, this is our point. Eminem kneeling, what was he kneeling for? I don't know either, so it doesn't really matter. All yep. due respect to M, like, it could have been for Tupac. It could have been for, you know, a number of reasons. I, it just didn't bother me. It just didn't – I wasn't like, oh, my God, Eminem kneeled. Like, the biggest concern I had was that he was going to crease his threes. Like, I mean, come on, dude. Like, that's that's what I was worried about. Rec One says it's not comparable. Michael Prince are the greatest artists, dancers, singers, musicians, rappers, and just rappers. But see, I think here's the thing. I think hip hop got a huge boost last night. The fact that you had essentially an all black 
um, you know, artist group of artists yes. performing um, that you're representing Los Angeles in a way that you could only represent Los Angeles. I think it was, I thought it was great. The performance was, I mean, it was fantastic. I mean, Snoop Dogg can still rap with the best rappers in the world. Yes. I mean, the guy is still, Whoa, bro. The, guy, the guy is still cold as ice. <coughs> By the way, one thing I'd like to point out, I swear I will break your arm. <laughs> one thing I'd like to point out is Maria Taylor. I don't know how she's on NBC, but that woman is talented. Like yeah. it is. Hell of a job. I thought I thought this entire broadcast, I thought the, I mean, all of the things that make the Super Bowl special were special. Now, I mean, they showed the wrong people trying to sing the wrong songs before the game. <laughs> you know, the Chiron operator and the camera people all got fired, but it is it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, Bob Scott says, Kendrick Perkins recently took a shot at Donovan Mitchell, saying that he used to be humble and he doesn't seem it anymore. Okay. Well, I agree that Donovan Mitchell's not humble. I mean, he, he's just not. I don't think that's a shot. I think that's a fact. Um, I and I and I think that comes with growing in your career. But we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, JP Shanahan says change of scenery. Yes, change of scenery. It's we're on the show on the road. Yeah, we're not in Salt Lake today, uh, or for the next two weeks. Uh, Giggity says maybe he knelt to thank God UPS didn't lose his Jordans. Thank you, Giggity. <laughs> <laughs> That was uncalled for. That is an all-timer, bro. Uh, well done, sir. And Garcy says, rap turned into hip-hop when Pac and Biggie passed. True. Edgar Garcia says, personally, I love the freaking halftime show. Best ever in my 29 years. I'm telling you. Yeah, see, that's what I'm saying. Like, for, for those of us who aren't, like, 80 years old, this was, okay. like, the best one ever, dude. Why are you being a jerk today? What do you today? mean? Well, you old fucks. <laughs> I mean, you know. I mean, that's why you liked it, because you're old. <laughs> what? What? Stop. Stop. <laughs> I'm just saying that those of us under 30 were not around for, you know, mm. some of the great ones mm -hmm. in the past. Yeah, we know. We know. You were boiling in my bag when they were, <laughs> like, out, and we get it. I mean, it's, yeah. it's amazing to me. And now, because my dog is a jerk, he's going to – he's in he, – we're, so <laughs> we're literally in a garage doing this show. Right. And my dog, it's – like, so we're in Los Angeles and in Orange County. And it's 5.40 in the morning, right? So we got up at 4 Pacific today. Yeah. Um, and we're, like, my dog's walking around this house that has all wood floors. And he's just, like, as my, my wife put it yesterday, like, tapping Morse code all over the house. <laughs> and so we brought him out to the garage with us. So now, of course, he's going to start whining and, and yelping. Yeah. But, you yeah. know. It is what it is. It's fine. Um, so, yeah, we appreciate that you guys uh, noticed the set that you don't like. Yeah, I mean, so yesterday we get in, you know, or Saturday we got in technically. and Technically. You know, we kind of started setting some stuff up, and then yesterday we set all this up and had some, you know, minor technical difficulties with one of the computers we use. But for the most part, pretty smooth setup, you know. So, yeah, I mean, I appreciate you guys recognizing the background. Like, this has been this has been a nice little setup, I feel like. And we're going to be here this week and next week. And then uh, what would that be? The first week in March, we'll be back at home on the usual set, I think it is. Just something so, like that, yeah. So, you know, and, yeah, in the background, our dog is wandering around the garage. Um, Looking for something to get yeah, in trouble with. <laughs> you know, so, yeah, that's what we do. We'll see. We'll yeah. uh, cue Mrs. Martin. Anyway, the Super Bowl halftime show, I think you couldn't ask for much more. I think it was executed perfectly. I think it's everything you wanted. I think it was catered to everybody. Like, 
I don't yeah. think there's really much complaints you could have. I that. just thought it was a great night for the NFL. Again, I think he had one of the best drives to end a Super Bowl. I thought the game itself was really good. Um, you know, I mean, I, I, I will say one thing. Like, some of the people that won a Super Bowl last night, to look at Eric Weddle winning a Super Bowl and being a vital part of the L.A. Rams, uh, winning that Super Bowl, I just think is such a good story for such a good guy. Yeah. Like, without Eric Weddle, they don't win the Super Bowl. Yeah. I mean, it, it, they're not even in the Super Bowl without Eric Weddle. So, yeah. I think that's a great story. Aaron Donald getting a Super Bowl is a great story. Getting a ring. I, I got to believe he retires. Sean McVay unequivocally said he is not retiring. Yeah. Um, that's not happening. Um, I look at the story of Matthew Stafford and and leaving Detroit and and I thought playing a fantastic game. The interception in the end zone, man, he underthrew that ball badly. But I thought he made the throws he had to make. You know when he when he needed to make them, and I I just thought it was a really good. Uh, I thought he, he he played great. I just thought it was a really good Super Bowl all the way around. Yeah, you know, and, and for guys, you know, the narrative around guys retiring who finally got their ring, you know, yeah, Whitworth, like, you know, you've got Aaron Donald, yeah, like you were just saying. Like, I think there's a bunch of guys who, who we all know and love who it's great to see them get a ring. And I yeah. think, you know, the other thing, too, is like for Hall of Fame candidacy purposes, and we'll have that conversation another day, but – but when you win a ring, it really solidifies you. And I think for a lot of guys, like Whitworth was already going to be a Hall of Famer. Yep. But now that he's got that ring, like, uh, you know, just, it just I, is I cherry think, on top. I think, I think instantly Aaron Donald's a Hall of Famer. He probably was before he won the ring. Um, I think I think there's a real good chance now that Matthew Stafford's a Hall of Famer. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's a real good chance now that Cooper Cup's a Hall of Famer. Um, he becomes one of the best wide receivers of his generation with this season that he put in, yes. capping it off with a Super Bowl ring, a Super Bowl MVP. Um, you look at just how this has transformed some of the legacies in the NFL. Mm -hmm. um, I think Adrian Peterson becomes not a Hall of Famer. Um, Which is a real shame because he was quite the talent. I mean, he's a hell of a running back, but you can't beat your kids and your wife and then get in the Hall of Fame anymore. Like, yeah. I think instantly Adrian Peterson's career is over um, after this. I just think so many lives were changed. I don't know. Does, does Sean McVay get validated um, now? I mean, he freely admitted that Bill Belichick outcoached him in the first Super Bowl. Yeah. I guess the question is, does he become one of the best coaches of his generation? I don't know. Um, I mean, he's got a ring and he's got one of the best defenses. I think Les needs one of the best GMs, but the, the, the question is, does Joe Burrow ever get back to a Super Bowl? Um, yeah. if they don't get a better offensive line, I don't think he will. I mean, it was, I'm not going to say it was a fluke that, that they made the Super Bowl. I mean, they outplayed people. There's no doubt about that, Yeah. but it's awfully difficult to come out of the AFC with, especially with the talent that's there now. Yeah. Um, and you have to wonder about you have to wonder about Joe Burrow and just his ability to lead that team back. <laughs> My dog is losing his mind. Um, to lead that team back to a Super Bowl. That's a really that's a very difficult thing to do just on its own. Yeah. And I, I I'm a big Joe Burrow believer. I like Joe a lot. I just don't I'm not a believer in the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah. And I think it's gonna be an awfully steep hill for him to climb to get back yeah I, so I think you know the thing for Joe Burrow is he's young you know I mean that that's what he's he's got time on his side and I think you know Joe Burrow is going to play as long as he wants to in this league you know I mean he's he's that good and I think that you know yeah will he make it back as a Bengal it's doubtful will he make it back absolutely he will be back at some point 
You think he leaves the Bengals? Yeah, at some point. I mean, because right now you're in the honeymoon phase, right? Hey, this is Joe Burrow, you know, rookie season, he breaks his leg and, you know, it goes through all that. And then he comes back and now they go to the Super Bowl. Okay, well, next year when they're crap, what's going to happen? You know, eventually he's going to come into some seasons where they're just not very good because they are the Bengals, like with all due respect. So when I look at Joe Burrow, I say, hey, at some point, you are going to have to be selfish and you're going to hit free agency and you're going to go to a team yeah. that can get the job done for you. And he will be back in the Super Bowl. I don't have any doubts about that. All right. Make sure that you subscribe to our channel. We are giving away a PS5 um, once we get to 5,000. And by the way, you guys have been uh, remarkable um, at supporting this show. Um, just in the last week, we've picked up nearly just short of 200 <sighs> subscribers. Yeah! On YouTube. Appreciate that. Make sure you follow us on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter, The Monty Show. M-O-N-T-Y, The Monty Show. Jake is SLC Supercars. All right, let's switch gears and go from the drama of the NFL to the drama of the Utah Jazz. The Utah Jazz. Um, It is quite interesting. It is quite interesting to me that you have a, a team that is – Clearly good, not great. The Jazz are by nobody's estimation elite. But with 26 games to go, tonight could be a very critical moment in time as Rudy Gobert, it looks like, will return to the Utah Jazz lineup. He practiced yesterday. Now, you know, calves are a a remarkably difficult muscle to heal. He's got this calf strain that he's trying to get over. And the Jazz are playing really good basketball right now. Um, Donovan looks to be back to his physical best. How important is it that Rudy Gobert come back? They play well with Rudy and, and just keep on rolling. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's, it's crucial. I, I think when you look at where they're at in the standings, they're fourth right now. Uh, they're quite a bit away from the top three teams, but they also have a decent cushion to Dallas. So they're kind of in this middle spot where, um, obviously you want to go out and you want to win basketball games and you should win a lot of basketball games here coming up, but I think, you know, what's more important in the, you know, the overreaching conversation is the relationship between Don and Rudy. I think it's crucial that Rudy Gobert come back and contribute at his usual levels. And hopefully he can do that and stay healthy. I mean, what you were just saying, I mean, a calf strain is nothing to play with. That is a difficult injury to A, manage, but then B, keep away. I mean, once you strain your calf, now you're, you got to be really careful with it. So, you know, like tonight against the Rockets. I mean, that's a very athletic team that likes to dunk and get after and play above the rim. You'd love to have Rudy Gobert in this game and he will play. But my point is, is will he be playing at like half of his capability? Will he be full strength? Like, what are we looking at here with Rudy? So I think the more important thing is figuring out, you know, like recently Don's been more willing to pass. Don's been more willing to create. Will Don be willing to give the ball to Rudy Gobert in the pick and roll? Will Don be you know, like what will Donovan Mitchell do to win some of these games? That's what I think you have to watch for if you're a Jazz fan. Well, I I think at some point, at some point, this is going to it's going to become incumbent on Rudy and Don to understand the setup of this team, and that is that if they're going to win a championship, you know, Donovan Mitchell's got to be the focus of this team, and I think most people accept that. I look at Rudy Gobert, who believes he's the focus of this team, Mm -hmm. and I think that is at the center of the issues with this club. 
And I think, unfortunately, what you're seeing is that fans are being fans and choosing sides. Um, and I think that both of these guys are incredibly important. I don't think there's any doubt that Donovan Mitchell is by far more important to this this ball club than Rudy Gobert is. Right. Especially in a generation where offense wins. Um, and especially in a generation where if you don't have a dominant wing player like Donovan Mitchell, you are not going to to win a championship. Right. You. It's great that Rudy Gobert is a dominant offensive force. His limitations offensively are what plague this team. Their, their inability um, to win with Rudy at the middle of this team, and when I say the middle of this team, um, you're looking at a guy that everybody feeds to defensively, and that worked for a time. But it's not how you win a championship. To win a championship, you need a do-it-all player or two. And the Jazz right now don't have any do-it-all players. So when I say it's incumbent on both Don and Rudy, Don's got to get better defensively. Don, frankly, has to have more want to defensively. Going under screens is not how you win a championship. Right. Right? You have to be more willing to put out on the defensive end the same way you do on offense. That's how you win championships. Throughout time, whether that's been the Lakers, the Celtics, um, the Milwaukee Bucks certainly showed us that last year. The Phoenix Suns are showing us this, that, that this year. The Jazz, in my opinion, lack a true do-it-all guy. Right. That's the best way I can say it. But, you know, as far as all these stories about Rudy versus Don and Jazz fans saying, well, Ru you know, Don said it's not real. What would you expect Donovan Mitchell to say when he's asked that question? <laughs> oh, yeah, I hate Rudy. He's not going to say that. We don't get along. He's not going to say that. Yeah. I mean, Donovan Mitchell understands the media. There's no doubt about that. Yep. But there is no doubt, and we, we've been talking about this. I think we're going on six weeks now back that we reported. Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert don't get along. They don't hate each other, but they're not, they're not playing golf together. They're not gaming together. They're not eating together. They play basketball together. That's the extent of it. Yeah. And on a basketball team, you don't need your two best players to be best friends. You do need them to have chemistry. And Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert have none. Right. They do not coexist on the floor or off of it. Um, they don't play well together um, on the floor or off of it. Donovan does not give Rudy Gobert the ball offensively. I would not either. I don't blame Don for that. But – at some point, you're going to have to figure out how to get the top end out of both those guys offensively. Yeah. And you're going to have to figure out how to get the top end out of Donovan defensively. Or you're just going to be another team. You're just going to be who you've always been. And that's why I continue to tell you, Rudy's not going to be here. The day that they hoist an NBA championship, my opinion is it will be without Rudy Gobert. That's just the the... The current state of the NBA, that is the issue on this roster. And I think to change this roster, you're going to have to send out Rudy Gobert. His contract, frankly, is his biggest issue. If he was making $20 million a year instead of $40 million a year, we would not be having this conversation. <laughs> That's the truth. But he's making $40 million a year, and you do not have anybody else on this roster that you've gone out and brought in 
that's been able to compensate for him. And obviously, you're looking at a situation where your offseason moves didn't pan out the way you would hope. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you have a coach that doesn't seem to want to play Eric Pascal heavy minutes. Thanks. You have a backup center in Donovan, or excuse me, in Hassan Whiteside that, I, I, I mean, is just uneven. I yeah. mean, the guy just does not bring intensity three quarters of the time. But then when he, he loses his job to Doak, which is embarrassing in my opinion, he comes out and plays well. And now Rudy's back, and I have to think you're going to play Rudy one, and, and I think Hassan's the backup. Because, again, I'll just stay on my opinion that Yudoka Azubuki's not an NBA-caliber center. That's a third or fourth guy. Yeah, He's not a two. He's certainly not a one. He's not a two. So you want to win a championship? All right, cool. Do what's got to be done. But I think if you're happy being who you've always been, I think you don't do anything. Yeah, and I think this front office just wants to ride out this season. That's my opinion. I, I think, you know, again, I, I think this team is, <clears throat> is good enough to make a run. This team, you know, could conceivably win 18 out of 20. You know, they could get hot, play elite basketball as a team, turn things around. Sure, that could definitely happen. No doubt about it. I wouldn't be surprised. But I don't think that they are good enough to go ahead and win a championship this year. And I think the front office knows that. I, do, I think playoff seating is incredibly important. This is the, the, the playoff seating that they end up with this year is going to be critically. I mean, it will determine if they even win a playoff series. Because if they fall behind Dallas, um, I think you are asking for a world of hurt. If you fall below the four spot, you're in trouble. Yeah. Um, I just, I'm telling you now that you cannot, if, if you look at the current standings as, as they are now, um, you have the Jazz two and a half up on the Dallas Mavericks, and you're going to run into the Mavs a couple of times here down the stretch. And the Jazz don't have an easy schedule. They've got a couple of real ball-busting road trips coming up. Um, you know, they're here Wednesday night in Los Angeles to play the Lakers. That's a must-win, in my opinion. Um, I look at the I look at the the Dallas Mavericks schedule. I mean, the Heat, Pelicans, Jazz, and Warriors to end the first half. So they don't exactly have the easiest schedule in the world either. So I look at I look at some of the the games coming up for the Jazz and and I'm telling you now that games like the Rockets game where they traditionally play down to their opponent if that's the right way to play it mm-hmm. say it like games like this are now a must win um, and you're gonna have to figure out how to beat the the Lakers Jazz and, or the Lakers Mavs and Suns I think you got to win out of the first half. And I don't know that they can do it. I, I Honestly, I'm not sure that they can. I The Suns are the best team in the NBA. That is coming up on Sunday, uh, national TV game on ABC. That is a must win. And that, to me, if you're a Jazz fan, that's a must-watch game too. I would, I, would, I would have your popcorn ready on the couch, dial that thing up because that, again, when we talk about measuring stick games and figuring out just exactly where your team is at, playing the best team in the league will do that for you, you know? Now, again, could they win that game? Sure, they may win that game. Who the hell knows, right? But I think it's a great way as a team and as a fan to see, okay, where are we at compared to the Suns, who are the best team in the league? I think that's a great opportunity. And that is a week from, I want to say, is that two weeks or a week from from Sunday? That's a week from this Sunday. It is a, that's a huge game, man. I mean, you, you what do they close out the first half here Wednesday night against the Lakers in mm-hmm. LA 
And then you open with the the Mavs. I think you got to run out the month. I think you have to. I, I think you have to win every game in February. Well, and that's how you'd like to feel going into the All Star break. I mean, you yeah. would like to go into the break on a winning note, and then and then rest and kind of come out of the break with what did that be? Twenty two, twenty one games left or so, somewhere in there, uh, with your season. And again, you know, and I think it's a fair comparison. The twenty eighteen team did this they came out of the break and they won like 18 out of 20 to get to where they wanted to go with seating so this team i'm not saying this team is the 2018 team but what i am saying is this team has a lot more experience than that team did and and if they can play team basketball if they will get back to moving the ball and providing and creating looks for their guys i think they got a shot but i don't see this team you know running up 18 out of 20 and 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 just totally changing course off of who they've been. I just don't see that. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, the the other thing is you got to remember that they have a couple of trips that should concern you if you're a Jazz fan. I mean, that trip through Texas, um, that is the Rockets, Pelicans, Thunder, Mavericks. That is a real tester of a trip. You come home for the Blazers and it's Spurs, Kings, Bucks, Bulls, Clippers. I mean, you have a set. Of, you have a second half. Your final 20 games are going to be really difficult. And if if you're a Jazz fan, just you got to pay attention to the 4-5 matchup. I don't want to go to Dallas for a playoff series. Yeah. I have no desire to do that. I mean, I want to punch Luka in the face. Yeah. Um, you know, and one of the most unlikable players in the league. He he really is. He really really is and I just I that's that's a tough team to deal with especially because they play small ball. They don't have bigs. Um, I mean, and now that they traded Porzingis, I mean, and Dinwiddie's on that team. And and that's the other thing, by the way, this week, you're going to see all these guys making their debuts with their new teams. I mean, there's going to be a lot of storylines around the NBA. Yep. Um, But the Jazz, I think, have a unique set of circumstances coming up. All right. Let's get some of your comments as I try and enunciate through a cough. Uh, let's see. Dane says, do we see Doak or Whiteside more? I think you see Whiteside because <laughs> I to. think Quinn is going to go back to what Quinn likes. I, I think if you know if we know anything about Quinn Snyder, we know that, that he knows what he likes, and he's going to go with what he likes. And I think that the usual rotation that we've seen is going to come right back when everyone's healthy. Yeah, uh, Tanner Plummer, uh, I could be wrong, but it seems to me that the Jazz are a better team defensive, a better defensive team without Rudy, but maybe that's because they've been beating some awful offensive teams lately. Hey, guys. Well, hey, guys, guys. Hey, guys. Uh, no, I think, Tanner, that's a good point. I think there's a lot more effort and energy when they know Rudy's not back there. I mean, there has to be. I don't know how, if, if you're the Jazz – I just don't see any way that when Rudy's not back there that you can just be a turnstile. Yeah. You know, like, so I think there's a little more want to, but I think what, what you see and what you've seen the last week is the top end of the jazz defensively. Mm-hmm. I mean, and the issue with that is that Royce has been getting beaten pretty regularly. And I think Royce O'Neal makes up for a lot of that with, you know, rebounds in key situations or, you know, he hustles back on defense. He'll intercept long passes, outlets. But man-to-man, they don't have a shutdown guy. Yeah. And you need that to be Donovan. He needs 
Donovan, there are times Donovan one-on-one where his footwork is really not good defensively, where he just gets his hips turned the wrong way. And I don't know what that is. Are you watching the ball? Are you? I, I don't know what that is. But Donovan Mitchell is athletically capable of being an elite defender, and he's just not. So we'll see what that turns into. Mr. E says, I remember about a rumor Dallas was interested in Gobert before he signed this huge contract. Uh, Dallas now traded uh, high contract from KP and got Spencer Dinwiddie. I'm just saying. Yeah, we'll see. I, I would be surprised if there wasn't a significant overhaul of this roster in the summer. Yeah. I'd be surprised. Really surprised. Uh, Rec one says, it'd be good for the Jazz that Rudy comes back 100% healthy, takes a step back, shuts his mouth, and lets Mitchell lead the group. But that's – here's the problem with that. You're paying Rudy Gobert $41 million to be the best version of himself. Rudy Gobert requires an ego in a big one, I think, to perform at the top of his game. Yep. And I think Rudy Gobert's that guy who has to feel like, oh, everybody likes me, they respect me, I'm amazing. Like, I think that's who Rudy is. And the problem with that, obviously, is that doesn't play well um, in the current incarnation of the Utah Jazz. Too bad. You know, we'll see. Yeah, well, maybe, Dana. He's going to stay anyway since he's not tradable, so it's better that he does that as soon as possible. I think they can trade him. It's just going to be a summer deal. Yeah. Because the bigger deals happen in the summer. Um, you know, the 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 James Harden-Ben Simmons deal is rare at the deadline. I think when you're going to remake an entire roster – and you're going to make trades, and you're going to – because this team's going to rebuild through trading. They're not going to rebuild through free agency. I think they're going to rebuild through the trade market. That That's just my opinion. Um, a trade could happen. Sorry, not enough space for writing. You know, a trade could happen. Oh, boy, Jake. The Here por- comes the, the all porn bots are out. the bots. The Here porn bots are out. This is fucking America. Yeah, yeah man. man. All the bots are out. Everyone's trying to make their two cents, you know. We get it. We get it. Yeah, go ahead and uh, you know, go ahead and block all those guys and report. And you know. damn, I'm doing it. But anyway, I think I think a lot of people assume that the Jazz cannot, um, you know, that the Jazz can't trade Rudy, and I, I'm telling you, they can. The only reason the James Harden Ben Simmons deal went down is because the Nets knew that James Harden wouldn't be signing with them in free agency, so they were like, hey, we need to get value out of this guy now before the trade deadline comes yeah, and goes. And absolutely. So that's why that deal went down. And and my point with that is that Rudy's situation is completely different. He's on a longer-term deal, as we all know, and you know free agency isn't coming for him. So there's no rush, and I think that the Jazz know that, and I think that the Jazz want to get the best possible value for him. And the only way to do that is to have extended conversations with team and when you're not in a hurry, which is the opposite of what the trade deadline is. Uh, Bob Scott says, not saying Don has to be captain humble, but leadership and maturity are necessary for winning. I, I agree with that. Yeah. This team doesn't have anybody that is, that's been a leader of an elite team. They don't. Yeah. So you're in a situation where you're just going to have to kind of plot along. You're in a situation where you're just going to have to go through the process with Donovan Mitchell you need to build around Donovan. I mean, I mean, I don't know. Maybe you guys disagree with that, but I will just continue to say, and I've reported this for a month, the Jazz have told Donovan Mitchell they're going to re- rebrand this team around him. Mm-hmm. They are going to rebuild around him in that Ryan Smith has told Donovan Mitchell he is going to spare no expense 
and do whatever it takes to win a championship with Donovan Mitchell on this That's roster. Every day. And so all this talk about the Knicks and all this talk about going to New York, from what I understand, they've Donovan Mitchell has never demanded a trade, and he has never said, I want to be a New York Nick. He's never, he's never told them, I'm leaving. What he said is, I don't want to be part of a team that's terrible for three, four years. I don't want to, I, I am not a guy that wants to, he's essentially said, I'm not going to waste my career losing. Yeah. And I have no problem with that. If you're not in, if you're not in the NBA game to win a championship, maybe you shouldn't be in the NBA game. Yeah. With all due respect, that's who this team's been for a decade, probably longer than that. You know, like it's just, it's just time. He's not Donovan Mitchell is in think about the guys who've been here who didn't want to be here a Darren Williams or think about Carlos Boozer leaving Cleveland mm. you know think about you know think about Ennis Freedom like when he was here as Ennis Cantor before he changed his name think about you know his forcing an exit you know like it, it, listen man you know when a guy wants out Donovan Mitchell has not said I want out I'm demanding a trade he's never he's never he's not gotten anywhere near that right not anywhere near that. The issue has been that I think Donovan wants accountability from Quinn Snyder down the roster. The veterans run this team. Like this is Mike, uh, essentially this is Mike Conley's team. And Mike Conley doesn't, in my opinion, Mike Conley doesn't have the, the clout on this team to tell guys to keep their mouth shut and play basketball. Yeah. And so what we know is that Rudy Gobert spouting off at officials pisses people off in the locker room because he does it every single. It's been nice, frankly. It's been nice not seeing Rudy Gobert bitching at officials for the last several games. Yep. It's been great. Yep. Right? Like, they've had energy. It's been nice seeing Donovan drive and kick. Like, their offense works, in my opinion, when they are not solely reliant on the high pick and roll, their offense works better. Yes. When you run a more traditional set, this Jazz roster works better in, hey, you know, we're going to drive and kick. We're going to play traditional basketball because that drive and kick almost forces you to rotate the basketball. And as you say yes. consistently, the Jazz win when they swing the ball. I mean, they're literally built to run that kind of offense. This is a roster full of guys who can shoot the three at a high yes. rate. Why would yes. you not be playing – driving kick and and that's why i think again the, the thing that nobody ever wants to talk about when it comes to athletes is you know the culture that they instill by being themselves can be good or bad and i think rudy bitching at the officials and trying to be all upset about not getting the ball is bad for this team and i and i think that when we talk about driving and kicking if rudy's standing in the paint where is there to drive there's not and that's the problem because he doesn't have the ability to hit an elbow jumper, the spacing is not ideal for a drive-and-kick offense, whereas Porzingis or Joel Embiid or Nikola Jokic or Carl Anthony Towns, basically almost every other prominent big in the league, can shoot the elbow jumper, and most of them can shoot the three. So when you want a drive-and-kick, they're going to push out to the corner of the wing to give you space, and yeah. that's the problem, and that's what Rudy does not want to talk about. Rudy doesn't want to be accountable to the fact that he's never developed over the course of his basketballing career somehow the ability to shoot a basketball. And that's why, frankly, 
I don't respect him as much as I respect Donovan. You, There are complaints about yeah. Donovan. I have some complaints. Defensively, the lack of leadership. Like, there are things to complain about. Don and about. everybody else. Don and everybody else. Exactly. There are things to complain about with Donovan Mitchell. He's not perfect either. But I'll take his shortcomings over Rudy's because this is the NBA and putting the ball in the hole is a priority. Yes. Just, that's just what it is. Totally agree. Uh, Jeremy Bolton, what's up with you, bud? Good to see you. And Garcy says... How many first-round picks are we going to give away if and when we trade Rudy? I don't necessarily believe that's the case because I don't think you have a – I think you your next available pick for trade is 2025. Yeah. So, I mean, you don't have – that's and I'm telling you, that's why Marcus Smart's not a Utah Jazz man because they don't have the assets to go and do that. But what you wind up doing is you wind up – you know, generally the way that you unload a guy like Rudy is you pay some of that contract. Mm -hmm. You take a contract back that you don't necessarily love, but that is not nearly as restricting as Rudy Gobert. You know, like you have to go and solve somebody's problem. You're going to have to sacrifice to get this guy off your roster. You are going like to have And again, but this is what I keep saying. And, and take a year of pain. Yeah. I think it's a great point. Take a year of pain. To remake your financial house. Yeah. Like, trading Joe Ingles saved you a pretty good amount of money. And people are all pissed off that Joe Ingles was seen in a Portland Trailblazers uniform. And I'm glad you brought that up. Like, like people are all upset that he's sitting on the bench <laughs> talking to, I think it was the GM. I could be wrong. But, like, you know, you're, you're upset that Joe Ingles is going through the process. Did you think that he wasn't going to take his photo in that jersey? Did you think that? I think what people don't understand is, even if a player is injured, they have to go and take a physical. It's the only way a trade gets done. You have to go and take a physical. So Joe has a torn ACL. He gets traded to Portland. You have to go and take the physical. Yeah. So they can physically see your knee, put eyes and hands on your knee. Yeah. They can have a rehab plan for you because the Portland Trailblazers own Joe Ingles' contract. He has to rehab the way they tell him to. Does that mean he's going to do that in Salt Lake City? Quite possibly. But you, you got to understand that Joe Ingles is, going, is, is doing what he needs to do. They're going to put a jersey on him. They're going to take a picture of him in a Portland jersey. And frankly, if your feelings are hurt by that, I, you're ridiculous. <laughs> if you're upset by that, you're ridiculous. I mean, I, I just... This, Sorry if you're offended by that. This is what I mean. Like, jazz fans tend to be really emotional about players. And... This Rudy Gobert divorce that is inevitable, in my opinion, when you pay a big $41 million a year who can't score on his own, it's inevitable that you are going to have an ugly divorce. I'm going to say this again. Rudy Gobert is not a championship caliber player, and when the Jazz win a championship, in my opinion, Rudy will not be on that roster. And the process of, of unwinding that deal from your books is going to – is going to be costly and painful. Facts. But it is what it is. Business, bro. Business. Absolutely. Um, James Jensen, Rudy Gobert. Whoa. Hey, comment, comment dump. dump. Uh, James Jensen. Rudy Gobert is going to go down as the best jazz center in history. Cool. That might be true. That doesn't mean he's a winning basketball player. Now, having said that, my guess is you're probably right. I mean, I guess it's him and Mark Eaton. I mean, I, I guess. Who was the center on the Malone team? Uh, Greg Ostertag? Like, 
Rudy's the best big they've ever had. Okay, it just it just is. He's what the it best. Is. He's probably the best defensive player they've ever had. Yeah, he certainly yeah. is not the best offensive center they've ever had. Yeah. Um, John Jackson says, "Is this the last season with Rudy?" Uh, I don't know. And Garcia says they screwed the pooch getting Conley over CP3. Wow. I think Mike Conley was very good for this team last year, but water's wet and Mike Conley's hurt in the playoffs. And I think the front office before the changes were made romanticized running it back. And I think that there was a lot of momentum when Ainge and or really when Dennis Lindsay got let go and, you know, all those changes happened. I think through that process there was a lot of momentum to bring Conley back and, and you know, one more run basically and and I think that that I'm not going to sit here and say Mike Conley was a mistake because he wasn't. I understand why you brought him back. Would I have brought him back? No, but that's my opinion. I'm not yes. saying you're saying that that's a mistake. Uh, Rec one says, uh, sadly, complaining to the officials is a big thing in Europe. Putting pressure on them works and is part of the game. It's sad he still doesn't understand M the NBA is different on that. I would agree. Well, and the players don't respect you when you do it in the NBA. But that's no, the thing. No, 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 no. Well, that's true. I agree with that. But the thing that Rudy Gobert doesn't understand is the officials don't look at him as a superstar. He's not getting, like, again, he's not getting LeBron calls. Who, who's like a a, a lower-tier superstar? Um, a Devin Mitchell. Booker. A Devin Booker. Devin Booker is now getting superstar calls. Like, he's getting the tap foul, right? Wet, but you look at LaMelo Ball the other night. Mm -hmm. Melted down on the on the Charlotte bench. He got a, a tap foul on a layup and went after the official. And P.J. Washington... Um, went up to him and said, you could see Washington saying, hey, 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 you got five, you got five. Because at the time, LaMelo Ball had five fouls. Yeah. And he two-hand shoved P.J. Washington away from him and slapped, I don't know, I think it was Terry Rozier's arm off of his shoulder. Like, you're LaMelo Ball, you're a second-year guy, you're not getting that call. Mm -hmm. Rudy Gobert is a guy that has a reputation among officials as somebody who constantly complains and shows them up. You're yeah. not getting that call. Yep. And you're not a gifted offensive player, frankly. And when you get challenged at the rim and when John Morant's coming for you, John Morant's going to get the call and you're not. But the thing is, when you don't obsessively whine and complain to the officials, you're 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 going to get the call that's on the line sometimes. Yeah. When, when an official respects you, you're going to get that call more than you're not. Mm -hmm. They don't respect Rudy Gobert. Uh, and, and that is, to me... That's as clear as I can put it. Kay Nuring, good morning to you. Yes, uh, passing wins games. Rudy needs to grow up, and so does Don. I would agree with that. Uh, and Garcia says, that's just horrible management. Conley trade and favors trade garbage. Michael Burton says, the issue I see is with Rudy uh, out the last few games, they have found the inside bigs and go in and work outside. However, when Rudy was there, they weren't doing that. True. Yeah. When Rudy's there, it's everything's outside. And I uh, listen, this team's always going to live and die on threes the way they're constituted. But you cannot consistently just, you know, play pick and roll and pull up for a three. Yeah. It's the it's the quality of the look. I mean, that's the thing. And, and to your point, who said that? Who's that? Um, and Garcia. And Garcia. Uh, you know, to, to that point, I think that. You know, the Michael Burton, excuse me. Michael Burton. So the, to the point, I think that it's the quality of the three-point attempt that the Jazz are getting. That's the conversation. When Rudy's in the game, you don't play inside out, number one. But then number two, everything is high pick and roll, and the defense knows that. And so that's why I say to, to what we were talking about earlier, the whole drive and kick thing, 
Driving kick doesn't really exist when Rooney's on the floor because he eats space, and that's great on the defensive end, but not great on the offensive end. So I agree, not having Rudy has shown you some things, just like not having Don all those games ago showed you some things. Oh, boy. Here we go. Here comes a Hall of Fame comment. Ruff, Ruff's official. Gobert had career-high rebounds of 18 and 37 points. Are you ready? Are you ready? He could easily have Giannis's numbers if Donovan wasn't a ball hog. To have a Giannis-level player is rare. Okay, so there's a couple of things that Bro. separate Giannis from Rudy. Um, Giannis is a dominant dribble penetration guy. His number one best, highest use offensively is hand him the ball, go to the basket, get fouled. Yeah. Rudy does not have any of that in his repertoire. Now, Giannis is a dominant mid-range shooter. Rudy does not have that in his repertoire. He's also, I think, making 29% of his threes, Giannis is now. Rudy doesn't have that in his repertoire. Giannis, I also, and I, I, I can look it up for you, but Giannis is also making a higher percentage of his, his free throws. Um, so I, I, I don't know what Giannis you're looking at. Um, Giannis is a far, far more developed, like they're not even it's in not the same close, conversation. I, I don't, yeah. I mean, Rudy, he, do you understand that Rudy Gobert cannot dribble a basketball without turning it over? You understand that you understand that Rudy's highest, best offensive use is rebounds and putbacks. And those putbacks are usually dunks. I still think he's in the 70 percentile with with dunks. Like, I, I want to say that 70% of his baskets are dunks. Like, you're you're looking at a guy in Giannis that shoots 29.8% from three. Now, that's not a good, that's not a good percentage. But it's 29.8% better than Rudy Gobert shoots from three. Um, his field goal percentage is 54.1%. He has six dimes a game, 11 rebounds a game, and he averages 29 points a game. What are you talking about? With all due respect, Ruff's official, I don't e I'm not sure that you've ever watched Rudy Gobert play a game. If you believe that Rudy Gobert is a guy that can do anything remotely, if you gave him the ball every time down the court, I, I, you cannot give him the ball outside of the paint. What do you think? Yeah, anyway, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, DBTZ says CP3 and Booker didn't get along during practice for a long time. Okay, so this is a one of those taken out of context things. Chris Paul and CP3, their first year together in Phoenix. Chris Paul and Devin Booker. And Devin Booker, excuse me. Yes, Chris Paul and Devin Booker um, had a run-in in training camp one time. And so there's a, a there's a now a narrative by some that they they fight in practice or didn't like each other. They had a run in in training camp, so I don't think I I wouldn't say they they don't didn't or don't. Um, Memo, oh yeah, Memeto Core might be the best offensive center the Jazz have had. That's a good point. I like that. False. Fred uh, Fasenko was the best center the Jazz have ever. Okay, Jeremy. You're, you're testing us now. Uh, Mrs. Monty Fanboy says, love the new background. 
Okay. Every day we get a new one. Uh, Giannis is an overrated Howard and Blake prototype. Okay. Didn't like the Phoenix Heat, Monty. What don't you miss? Uh, I don't miss pretty much anything about Phoenix. Um, I don't miss – the Heat wasn't really ever the issue. Yeah. Um, it's just the – it's it's everything. The community feel, the – the change of seat you don't get a change of season in phoenix everything in phoenix is brown there like, yeah the sidewalk the, is brown the dirt is brown the tree is brown seriously the rocks are brown the 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 color of the stucco on buildings is brown like literally <laughs> i'm not even exaggerating the paint like, is brown like literally everything in phoenix is brown the dirt is brown like I'm, I, I, the it's, trees it's are amazing brown. to me i mean you know in the winter time you do get some greenery for sure but i think you know the biggest thing the biggest thing about Phoenix is it, it just is it, you are in a desert. There's no there's no way to get around that. And that has some advantages and some limitations. <laughs> and I think the thing, you know, moving back to Salt Lake was was obviously to snowboard. But I think the other benefits have been, you know, yeah, you're getting greenery. You get mountains. You can go and hike and kind of get away from things. And like there it has its advantages without a doubt. The Delta Hub is here in Salt Lake. So, yeah, that's an advantage too. travel wise. That's a huge advantage. Yeah. You know, so like I, there are things about salt. I mean, there are downsides. Don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, winter is kind of an ass kicking from time to time. But, you know, it, I mean, that's just what you deal with. I don't, I just think the the interesting thing is, like, people say hello to you in Salt Lake City. Like, you can nod at somebody, they'll nod back. Like, you, you can, like, in, it's odd to walk into a Fry's grocery store in Phoenix and there's cops everywhere. Yeah. Because they need security at the store. Um, Like, it's just the, the, the community feel is missing. Even in, like... Even in Scottsdale, like even in, I mean, there's, there's just not, there's a sense of everybody is scared of each other in Phoenix. Yeah. It's odd. Oh, fuck are you? Yeah. Like it's odd. Right. So Salt Lake is just a thing. Like I enjoyed my time in Phoenix. I mean, it, it, I made a lot of money in Phoenix. I did well in real estate in Phoenix. Like I wound up at Yelp in Phoenix. Like I, uh, I have a lot of good things about Phoenix. I crushed it on my house. I sold in Phoenix. But Salt Lake is just a different world. Now, and, and let's get into this a little bit. One of the things I want to talk about is the WM Phoenix Open. It's the Waste Management Phoenix Open, please. WMPO, bro. Is the 16th hole at the uh, Waste Management Phoenix Open good or bad for golf? I think it's good for golf. I think that it's a, a spectacle. I think it's unique. I think you don't see it anywhere else. And, and I think that, you know, that – so for those of you who have never been to Phoenix – you would never know this, but the 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 WM WM open, uh, is basically a huge party, and basically everybody goes to the sixteenth. Really they get drunk and they have a good time, and I don't have an issue with that. But I think you know a lot of people, a lot of golf purists, are like, "Oh, this is terrible for golf," and what are we doing? And how do we have a stadium on the course? And it's like, dude, it it is it is everything that's right with golf. You've got a bunch of drunk rich people cheering their ass off and booing guys for not going straight at the pin. You know, like yesterday, you know, the the tournament officials or groundskeepers or whoever you want to describe who handles the course, they moved the hole back about 40 yards or whatever it was. Right. And so the shot became more difficult, and everybody was coming up short yesterday. On Saturday, the cup was way towards the front of the green, and there were a bunch of attempts at holes in one. And, and that's what I think makes that hole great. It is like, hey – 
you're going to get your ass booed to hell if you don't go straight for the cup. And it's a real thing for these guys to deal with. But look at the dichotomy of events on that hole. Um, what was this? Or Ortiz? Ortega? Ortiz. Or some golfer, you know. Figala. Uh, yeah. Fig and stuff. How, how awesome was Figala yesterday? But He's a brilliant guy. Um, my point is. Like, you have a hole-in-one at the 16th, mm -hmm. and that place just went bananas. And then, yeah, Brooks Kepka roll up, leave it 37 yards short, I think it was, and people are booing, and that's what's great about sports. Like, I think we've gotten into this. You want to talk about generations. Oh, oh well, the millennials, uh, they want to throw beer cans on the hey green. Guys. Hey, guys. Hey, uh, guys. I'm a millennial. Hey, guys. I threw a beer on the green that screwed Mark Cantlay or Joe Johnson. This is fucking America. <laughs> I think it was. I can't remember who it was. Whoever. It may, was it Shoffley who was putting and the ball hit the, I think, the can yeah. marker and yeah. bounced up in the air and yeah, then went, woo. So. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's the 16th at, at the Waste Management Phoenix Open. And I think it's tremendous. Yeah. I think it's tremendous for golf. You need to, you, you know what? You need to, you know, loosen the top button a little bit. You need to let go of the. And that's what I feel like Phoenix is as a town, right? Because, and the thing is, Scottsdale is its own town separate from Phoenix. Yes. Scottsdale is its own thing outside of everything else. So, like, in Scottsdale, that's what that town is. Making money, driving nice cars, and getting drunk. That literally, without a that's doubt, Scottsdale, is what much, Scottsdale yeah. is. And, and, and so that's why I say. Like, let's stop hating on the 16th at that tournament and say, hey, it's one of the best things in golf. And I think golf, frankly, because Tiger Woods has come and gone now, golf could use more of that, in my opinion. I think golf could use some more excitement. And let's not mess with the Masters and Augusta, but let's mess with some of these other tournaments and have some fun with it. Yeah, who cares? Yeah. Like, like I who think cares? I think the Masters and Augusta is its own thing. You don't want to mess with that. But but why wouldn't you put some challenges into golf? Why wouldn't you? Um, you know, I I mean, I'd have to sit around and kind of brainstorm some new things. But I like the concept of the stadium on sixteen. I do. I think it's awesome. I think it's everything you want in golf. Yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, Scheffler won that tournament in a playoff. Nobody knew that because well, he uh, missed a pretty easy putt on the eighteenth. Um, and then the Super Bowl kicked off, and nobody too knew fucking that. bad, man. Yeah, man. See you yeah, later. Gotta watch football. Cam Harrison Sorry. says I lived in Mesa, Arizona for three years. Great experience, but I love Utah better. I don't know. Shanahan says I've never been to Phoenix, but love the way the atmosphere was presented in Allen Wake. Phoenix is not a bad town. Yeah, it's not a bad town. It to me, it's just not a great place to live. That's just my if opinion. You, if you, if you're somebody who has money and likes to keep up with the Joneses. Scottsdale's a fun place to be. But if you're a normal person, you know, and you're just kind of living life, I would tell you that Salt Lake is the better place to be. That's just my opinion. Shannon says, are you guys implying that Phoenix is not a safe place to live? No, not at all. Oh, I think there are portions of Phoenix that aren't safe to live. But I, I think, think there are portions, portions of Salt Lake, Lake that, that are not. Safe to yeah, live. I mean, know? everybody's I mean, got that. Yeah, right? I mean, I think that I think that. Phoenix has its own unique set of circumstances geographically that presents some interesting yes. dynamics. Um, I think Salt Lake also has an underground drug trade that nobody talks about that seemingly flies under the radar every single day. And that just is what it is. I mean, that's just that's every just what city it is. on the globe yeah. has dark corners. 
including Los Angeles, including literally any city. But I think, you know, if you're asking me, you know, again, this conversation comes back to trade-offs. What are, what, what am I prioritizing? I'm prioritizing seasons. I'm prioritizing snowboarding mountains. Like that's the kind of environment that I want to be in. But see, I think you need to be, you need to be exposed to different cultures. That's why I think everybody needs to travel the world. I mean, go see Asia, go see Australia, go see Europe when you're young. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a life hack moving out of your hometown when you're, when you're 20 years old is a life hack. It is, it will absolutely change you. It's why I advocate if you're going to go to college, go away to college. You know, if you're, it, I, I just think you need to go and see the world. You need different cultures, different ethnicities, different nationalities, different yep. everything. You know, white, black, Latino, Asian. You need Muslim. You need Catholics. You need Jews. You need Mormons. You need all of this stuff to impact you. Ingest it. Don't judge it. Just let it impact you. Let it change you. Let it let it form who you're going to be. Yeah. Because it absolutely changes you. It's one of the things I love about Los Angeles. Walking up and down the dog beach in Huntington Beach yesterday. Um, you just you're saying hello to people. You're you, I mean, it's just a different feeling. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, driving around Los Angeles sucks. Uh, you know, one of the things I love about living in Salt Lake is I rarely have to deal with traffic jams. Now they are they're becoming more regular because there's a crap ton of people moving to Utah. Yeah. But in Los Angeles, you're in, you're in the the state of California for an hour and you're in a traffic jam and it makes a one hour drive, a three hour drive. You know, I hate that about it, but my God, it was beautiful to feel a cool ocean breeze yesterday. It was beautiful to, you know, to, to see the, the bronzed bikini bodies at the beach yesterday, mm-hmm. right? Like, I mean, it's just the the feeling of of California is just so completely different. Yeah. So I I think we're I think we're so reticent or hesitant to go places and meet people, and I think COVID's only exacerbated that problem. It's made it worse for real. And I think that we as we as as humans we need to be more open minded. You know, like it, it is it, the, the frustrating thing about politics in our country right now is you can't talk about it because we're so close minded to anything that doesn't match match up with our, our ideology. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe fuck yourself. Right. Like, I think it, it one of the things that's so fascinating to me is that what makes humanity great is humanity. But yet we try to wall ourselves off from that. Yeah. So yeah. I, I just think you have to. You have to go and be impacted by stuff. It, there's not to me. There's nothing like sitting on the top of a mountain with a snowboard strapped to your feet, looking at the world below. Mm-hmm. That feeling of freedom when it is dead silent is impactful. The, when you're just, you know, like yesterday, I, I was walking on the beach and I was just looking out to Catalina, and you know, like it, you're, you're standing on the beach in Huntington looking out across the Pacific ocean and you just realize there's a whole nother world out there, man. Yeah. And I I think so many people don't want to go and see it. Yeah. And I don't understand it. I I really don't understand it. Uh, Jeremy says, hopefully there is even snow when you guys get back. Right. We need this, this, whatever this storm or snow is going to be the next couple of days, Tuesday, Wednesday, we need it to put out the mountains. Absolutely need it. Um, John Mulvanian says, love Scottsdale, but Sedona is pretty amazing. Love Sedona. Yeah. 
Um, Ruff's official says Giannis shoots a ton of threes and misses a lot and has a 54% field goal percentage. Rudy shoots 65% and doesn't shoot threes and has the league's biggest uh, ball hog. I, you're, Ruff's official, with all due respect, there's you not a soul on earth it, that's going to take yeah. – I mean, you're, you're just not accurate on this Rudy Gobert versus Giannis thing. This is not a, a dunker's league. It is. It hasn't been a dunker's league for a decade. So it's cool that Rudy shoots 65% from the floor. All he does is dunk. That's it. That's it. That's all. He, that's it, the entirety of his offensive game. Took a three a couple of weeks ago before he got hurt, air ball. I mean, the guy can't shoot. Has not shown the ability in games to shoot. So with all due respect. Jeff Johnson says, living in new places is awesome. I grew up near OC, lived in Utah for 10 years. Now part of me wants to try moving east. I love new cultures. <clears throat> I'll tell you, the East Coast is completely different. Yeah. That's a whole new world, friends. Like, you know, I've been I've been to, you know, Florida. Florida and L.A. should feel the same. They're totally different. I mean, the, the feeling that you get on the shore in Florida is totally, totally different. Um, you know, I went to – I've been to spring training in Florida many times, and I vividly remember when I worked for the St. Louis Cardinals in 06 – Standing on the beach, um, looking at the looking out at the Gulf of Mexico, and it's it just feels totally different. Like the sand is different, the breeze is different, the smells are different. Like, and then you go up the coast, you go to you know Philly, New York, Boston, like Boston, Boston. It's Connecticut. It's totally different. Like, I, I mean, it's just man, it's a different world. Um, the shitcoin club says China ninety nine percent. Chinese, Middle East, mostly brown skin, Arab, Africa, mostly black, U.S. 58% white. Oh, my God, we're all racist. Okay. Well, I mean, if that's how I you mean, want to go about a, it, uh, yeah, okay. you know. Yeah. All right. James Knight says 85 degrees in Melbourne today and the beers were cold. You still owe me 4X. Uh, Shanahan <laughs> says in Japan is 96% homogeneous. Okay. Okay, sure. Ethan yeah. says uh -huh. Trent is a great player. Trent. Forest. Dilfer? Um, Rec One says it's nice to see new cultures, but for that, it's important for local cultures to exist. It's nice to have multicultural cities too, but I don't think it should be like elsewhere. I agree. I agree. I think I think you have to love and appreciate the 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 culture that we have where you live. I mean, like we have a lot of we have a lot of Australian Philippines. We have a lot of people that listen in Japan. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, the, those cultures are totally different than what we experience in Utah or Los Angeles or Chicago. Totally different. Um, Jeremy Bolton says, Rudy could be like Shaq if the Jazz aren't winning championships. Who the F cares? Truth. Yeah, um, so Chris Karn wants to know where the new shirt is. It's in the car out front. Because I forgot to grab it. And that's life. You're pathetic. Sometimes things happen. We do have the new shirt, and it is amazing. It is. Good job, Jake. Sorry. It's, it's my fault. It's on me. It's my fault. I forgot to grab it. I, I had all this other stuff to get. I never I even it. thought about it. And then we got set up this morning, and I realized, yeah, it's still in the car out front. I so. promise you tomorrow morning we will have the new shirt on set. Uh, Mrs. Monty Fanboy says Rudy is overrated in Utah. He is. Cities are kind of multicultural by design. Yes, they are. Uh, and Garcy says Quinn is overrated. Could be. Mrs. Monty Fanboy says Jake letting us down on the shirt. Who knew? 
Yeah, you know. Who knew? Never. Who knew? It's Jake's fault. You're oh, casual. Cool. Honestly. Um, you know, I, I think, I don't know. I, I think the world is so crazy right now. Like, I, I am, next, next year, I don't care if I have to cut a leg off. I'm going snowboarding in Norway. Which, if I cut a leg off, I probably couldn't snowboard anymore. I'm going to say this again. You know, um, maybe we go with a hand. I mean, I can get you a hand. I'm sorry if you're offended by that. Yeah, the point is, <laughs> the point is, I can't wait. Yeah. I, I cannot wait to go. To go. I, I, I miss traveling so much. Giggity says, Jake was too busy coming up with a bad hot take on halftime shows to remember the shirt. Hey, I got to do my job on the show. <laughs> I mean, you know, it just is what it is. James Knight says, you dropped the ball, Jake. Yes, yeah. you did. Yep. Jake's a dick. Yes, yep. he is. Yep. What a uh, stupid son of a bitch. Yeah, yeah. You know, Mrs. Monty fanboy says, I love Norway. Great place. Totally agree. This is fucking America. John Bovane says, Jazz five-game winning streak. All right, Jazz win or lose tonight against the Rockets? They'll win tonight. Yeah, I think walking win. away, they yeah, win tonight. They'll win, yeah. By the way, yeah. By the way, now, and I know this is crazy talk, okay? <coughs> this is crazy talk. Right. What's the first thing we ate when we got to, to, to St. George? Jack in the Box. How amazing was the Jack in the Box? Well, it was phenomenal. I mean, it lived up to it 100%. Two tacos, what did we, what did we use? cheeseburger, yeah. and a fry. What did we use for a table? Uh, the wing on my STI. <laughs> so one of the things I wanted to talk about today, as I plug in my other computer, one of the things I want to talk about today is... <clears throat> go ahead, play it. I know you want to. <coughs> Thank you. Uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about today real quick was um, the fact that Jack in the Box is still undefeated. Yeah, amazing. <clears throat> it had been too long. And it's amazing. So now it begs a question. There's a jack-in-the-box about two minutes from the house where we're doing this show. We got to go to Hot Off the Grill while we're here, 100%. Yes. We have to have a breakfast burrito from Hot Off the Grill. Yes. When are we going to Taco Surf again? <clears throat> we went to Taco Surf on Saturday night. My God. One of the cultural things. There's nothing like going out to dinner in Seal Beach. Yes. Walking along the shore. Getting a little gelato after after taco surf Hitting and walking the, the streets. Yep. Like you that's one of the things we don't have in Utah. Is you don't have that great Just that hey, I want to go out for an hour and walk around and feel the ocean breeze type deal. Yeah, you don't. That's Park City. That's Park City in but my even, opinion. Yeah. Mm, yeah, Park eh. Downtown Park City. I'm not a huge Yeah, I'm not a huge I love Park City. Downtown Park City. I love it. Yeah. What food does Jack in the Box serve, guys? Uh, Burgers. Cheeseburgers, fries, and tacos. Yeah. It is the the greatest thing ever. Not yeah. sure if it was said earlier, but we signed Daniel House for the rest of the season. Yes, I saw yes, that. Yes, and I like that a lot. Why does St. George have Jack in the Box and SLC doesn't? Well, there's about a dozen Jacks coming to SLC in the next two years. So it's coming. Don't worry about that. Norway is okay, but Italy or Austria is, is uh, much better for snowboarding. Okay, I'll go there too. And Garcia says, my wife doesn't understand my need to stop at Jack every time we leave Utah. Well, I know good divorce attorneys if you want one. Yeah, um, I guess I'll have to figure something out. Yeah, you know, like <laughs> I kid, obviously. Uh, Jack in the Box is just better. Better. The fact that they pepper their burgers, amazing. I want to go to California to see the lowriders. These guys are amazing. And more than the cars, it's the family spirit, including wife and kids, that is very nice. Okay. You know, uh, that's what I'm saying. Uh, Ruff's official, who now clearly is a fan of the show, says, can't walk around in Utah and feel an ocean breeze. Great take, Jake. I mean, it's the truth. It's the truth. 
that wasn't really the point of the comment, Ruff's official. Um, the point of the comment was there's not that chill vibe. Hey, I'm going to have some dinner and then I'm going to walk down the street and get some gelato. Like you don't really you, do that in Salt that Lake. That vibe. You yeah. don't do that in I mean, Salt Lake. You, you in Salt Lake. Everybody piles into a van um, and you go to Golden Corral or Chakarama. <laughs> like you just like. That's kind of the, the narrative on Salt Lake. The truth is you go to somewhere like Slackwater or you go to somewhere like, where do we like to go out to? You Chipotle. go to. <laughs> You're casual. By the way, had Chipotle yesterday. Had Chipotle yesterday. It's better in Phenomenal. Salt Lake. The new one at the district in Salt Lake City, the best Chipotle in the country right now. Anyway, you go to somewhere like Red Iguana and then you go home or you go to a movie. Or you, yeah, you know, like it's just, it's a different, the vibe is nice to feel, but I'll, I'll tell you what, you know what I miss? I miss going snowboarding and then getting a burrito at Beto's and then getting and in the hot tub. It's and it's trade-offs. It is. It absolutely like, the is. The other thing about Salt Lake is it's way more affordable than California, if we're being real. Like that's the issue with California. I, I, honest to God, I feel like. And, and this isn't even a bad thing. I just kind of feel like it, it's just the reality of the situation. In California, if you want to be a homeowner nowadays, you had to be gifted a home, right? Like it had to be, it had to be you know, handed down to you, basically. Yep. Or you just got to have millions. I mean, that's yeah. just how it kind of is now. Yeah. Gar and Garcia says Kane's chicken strips are garbage. No. Please don't eat at Kane's. Don't go to that Kane's, you, dude. Stop. I agree. It's embarrassing. I agree, bad, dude. Bob Scott says Phoenix freeways are good. Now, I will say that. Yes. I will say the on-ramps in Phoenix, um, I've always had the great fortune of having, when I lived in Phoenix, I always had Michelin Pilot Sports. Mm -hmm. Great for 40-mile-an-hour turns into 100-mile-an-hour up an on-ramp. Yeah. Um, the freeways, Yeah, the freeways are bigger in Phoenix. They're flat. They are new all the time. You want to go fast, drive in Phoenix. Um, and it's not the heat that bothers me about I want to make sure people understand this. The heat in Phoenix is what it is. You you assimilate. So you the problem in Phoenix with the heat is you're always in air conditioning. That's the thing that drives you crazy. Like my house in Phoenix, I had like a huge Arcadia door that, you know, accordioned into the wall and like inside out. Yeah, living. I had that and you just can't have the door open very often. Because it, quite literally, it's 110 degrees out, five months of the year. And this year, you know what the, the real bummer is? I finally got on the waiting list for Cubs season tickets. There's no spring training. <laughs> like, I finally get Cubs <laughs> spring training season tickets. You're so fucked. No spring training. It's ridiculous. It's incredible. it's absolutely ridiculous. It's incredible. Um, Kay Nuren says, new chant for jazz fans. Rudy, overrated. Okay. Whatever. Bob Scott says, Kane's sauce is the best. Never had it. Uh, Kane's, uh, I think Kane's is, it just is what it is. Yeah. I, I live right by that Kane's at the district, and it's the traffic there is still always ridiculous. It's been open six months. Yeah. And the traffic is still around the corner, uh, I, which I don't understand. I don't understand. Worst and best part about Salt Lake. Um, best part is absolutely the the change of seasons and the community. Like, but again, I live in Daybreak, so I know all my neighbors. We walk around. We walk our dogs. You go to, you know, Ochre Lake and 
there's a bunch of people and ducks and birds and dogs and kids. It's vibey. They, you know, like in Daybreak, one of the things I love is there's big green spaces and kids are out playing tackle football. Yeah. I love the sound of kids outside living their life, bouncing a basketball, like playing. Another thing and, you don't get in Phoenix. <laughs> yeah, th- yeah, and and that's that's my point, yeah. right? Like you never have kids in Phoenix. You never have kids outside in a neighborhood playing. One because it's all concrete and blacktop, but two because it's 110 degrees out. Yeah, and like I, that's and I also think that's why there's a lack of community in Phoenix because it's so hot. You're not out and open. You don't. Yeah. Generally, there's three months of the year where you're walking a lot. You can go on walks and stuff. But, I mean, so part of the weather issue is is that it does keep you inside in air conditioning a lot. You know, like it just is It is yeah. what it is. The new 89 in Weber County is garbage. Damn roller coaster both directions. Mrs. Monty Fanboy says, Keynes is part of the secret Utah drug trade. People don't mind waiting in line for cocaine. Jake, some people don't like the secret Utah drug trade you well, talked about. hey. Uh, if you don't like it, that's fine, but it, it exists. Jeremy Bolton says that's like the in and out up here in Centerville. The drive through is still packed and you're waiting 35, 40 minutes to eat shitty fries. It's been here for years. Line of yes. cane and B12. Yes. The, the fries and in and I have not eaten. Again, I, Jack in the box. I'll never eat it in Jack and out in again. The box. I won't. I won't eat it in and out again. Where is the sweet spot to live in? I mean, it depends what you're willing to sacrifice. I mean, yeah. again, if I had to live anywhere, I probably would live in Southern California. I would. I love it here. I love the feel yeah. of it. I love the vibe. Like, I'm about it. But but you got to be a but, multimillionaire yeah. to thrive in California. And that's the thing. If I lived in California, I wouldn't have the Subi and then the, the other stuff. Like, I wouldn't have the Jordan collection. I wouldn't have this, that, and the other. Like, yep. there are things that you don't and can't afford when you – live now again if i got a second chance to live in southern california i'd probably be at the beach like every day i'd probably you know i'd get a dog i'd go to the dog beach like i would do all that outdoorsy stuff that i didn't do when i was a kid because i was too busy playing baseball and all this other stuff so like i would do that differently you know but you know i would take more again like i would take more drives down pch during sunset i would like that's something that i'm definitely going to do while we're here like i love that and but there is also the larger issue of like real estate right yeah, now yeah i mean it's ridiculous dude i mean you're again that's why i say to to have a home a single family three bedroom home in california you're a million bro you're a million like that's... but i think you're also millions right now to have to have a for you to even buy a house in Salt Lake, yeah, is becoming really problematic. Like yeah, it and is, that's, and that's the thing. It's like now I'm in a position where, you know, like everyone keeps telling me, oh, well, you might consider waiting till the market corrects. And it's like, dude, I don't think we're gonna have some some fall off. And there's gonna be the only saving grace that I may be able to get involved in is that there will be more listings that come on the market during spring, which is just about here. So yeah. I'm hoping that that happens, but there's not going to be some huge adjustment. There's not going to be like Utah and specifically Salt Lake County is becoming like LA in the sense that it is very expensive, dude. It is super expensive. By the way, um, Ruff's official says, how does Jake know about the secret drug trade? Well, since you're being a cock, I'll drop the bomb on you that Jake is a drug addict. Yeah. I'm uh, you know, yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is what you're, I've never taken steroids. Sadly, we've lost several close friends that were part of the drug trade Never. like it's not a secret it's not a like, secret do people understand this it is called the secret drug trade because it is an unspoken like 
Every, I, I mean, it's not a secret. There the, are literally documentaries done on it. Yeah, dude. the like, prescription drug issues, the addiction issues in Utah are significant. Yeah, I mean, it's not. And it is. It's really unfortunate. Yeah. But it, here, no, that's everywhere. I think. Yeah. I think that's everywhere. You know, he. You know, I just think of it. Um, you know, it is what it is. Uh, everything in Utah is a condominium. Uh, and Garcy says they're all townhouses now or condiment. Yeah. So mo uh, there's a lot. The, the HOA racket in Utah is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It is what it is. Anyway, yeah. we have to go play the music. Uh, appreciate you. We are, uh, again, for the next two weeks, we'll be in Southern California, uh, as we travel and do whatever we want to do. Um, tomorrow, Jake promises to unveil the new Monty show. You're a casual shirt. Yep. Sorry That'll be tomorrow that. on the Not show. Yet. Uh, we'll have full react to the uh, Utah Jazz and Houston Rockets tonight. Uh, I'm sure that uh, Ruff's official will be here to espouse the greatness of Rudy Gobert's return. Uh, we'll talk about that coming up on the show tomorrow. So until then, say goodbye, Jake. Goodbye, Jake.